Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to begin to ask and look at questions. So part one today is we're going to see what time in Earth's history is this group living? That's a good question. What time in Earth's history is this famous group living? We're also going to look at today, are these literal Jews or symbolic? Because it says there that from all the tribes of the children of Israel. So we have to look at, is God talking about the literal or is this more of a symbolic type of children of Israel? Part one today. Part two will be this famous question. Is this symbolic or a literal number? You ever heard people question and argue this here? Is this symbolic? Is this a literal number? Well, you'll have to come back next week. We're going to study that. You might get the hint today, but next week we'll look at that. And we'll also look at why does John, why does John use the number 144 made up of 12, 12,000s? Okay? That'll be part two. You guys with me? And then part three, in my opinion here, will be the most important question, and it's this. What is the characteristics of this group? Okay? That's really the most important question. The characteristics of this group here. But on August 15, which is in three weeks, Levy is not going to preach part three, okay? I wouldn't do that to him. She says, praise the Lord. <laughs> so, so Levy will be preaching a powerful sermon that God has placed on his heart. So we'll do part one today, part two next week. On the 15th, Levy will then preach his message that God has given him. And then the, after that, we will do part three the following week. Raise your hand if this is making sense. All right, very good. So here we go. What, is, what time in earth's history is this group living? If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Matthew 24. We're going to have to begin to look at some things here. Matthew chapter 24. Now, as you're turning there, let me say this. That many times people are confused in the book of Revelation because many of the chapters do not flow chronologically. Okay, It doesn't go A, B, C. Sometimes what John does is he gives us something in the beginning of the chapter, and then later in the chapter, he gives us something else that might be either before or after. This will make more sense here in a minute, but just know this, that many of the chapters in Revelation do not go in chronological order. That's why many get confused. We have to learn and see the context and put the pieces together. Can you say amen? So as we begin to do this, look at Matthew 24 and look at it carefully. Say amen when you get there. Matthew chapter 24. I'm not there. Here we go. I'm there. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 29. Here we go. Look at this carefully. It says, and Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation, what will happen the days of those days, the sun will be darkened. So Christ says that the sun will go black, and then it says, and the moon will not give its light. Something will happen to the moon after that. 
And then after that, what will happen? The stars will do what? Fall from heaven. And then it says, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Okay, look at the sequence. Sun will be darkened. What's after that? Yeah, the moon. Something will happen to the moon. After that, what will happen? Stars will fall, and then the heavens will be shaken. What's the word? And then look what happens after this. Verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man, Jesus, will appear where? In heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power, and not just glory, but great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the earth. That's the second coming. Can you say amen? Now, look at it again. It's on the screen. The sequence is important for us to answer this question. What time in earth's history is this group living? Look at the sequence again. We see the sun will not give its light and then something will happen to the moon and then the stars will fall and the heavens will be shaken and then what event happens? The coming of Jesus. Now if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 6. Take a look. Go to Revelation now chapter 6. Now don't lose this sequence. What happens after the heavens are shaken? What event? Okay, I'm going to say it again. What happens after the heavens are shaken? Christ. Revelation chapter 6, say amen when you get there. Revelation chapter 6, we have the sequence here. This will help us understand what time in earth's history this group is living. Here we go, beginning in verse 12. Take a look. I looked... And when he opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became. It continues. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like. Are, are we getting the same sequence here? Yes or no? Okay. What should happen next? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 13, and what happens? There it is. And the stars of heaven shall of the earth uh, uh, um, fell to the earth as fig drops. And look at this. And uh, fig drop, when it, it is shaken by a mighty what? There's our word shaken again. We're saying the same sequence. Sun, moon, stars, heaven shaking. What was the next event according to Jesus? What's the next event according to Jesus? Now we keep reading. Look at verse 14. Then, after the heavens are shaken, after the sun, moon, and stars, and the heavens shaken, then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the slaves, and, the, and, and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us. Because somebody has appeared, has they, have they not? Who's appeared? Yeah, from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb, capital L? This is the second 
coming of Christ. It will be the greatest event this world has or will ever see. Amen. Are you understanding the sequence here? Yes? And then there's a question in verse 17. There's what? A question. Right? Christ has appeared. Christ has appeared in all his glory. And the question is found in verse 17. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? I like her. She's with us. Now, here's my next statement. One has to be alive at the second coming to be able to stand at the second coming. Yes or no? Yes. When the question rings forth, who is able to stand? Well, you have to be alive at that event to be able to stand during that time. Now, don't forget that Christ said there are two groups when he returns. How many? Sheep or goats, wheat tares, saved lost. Are you with me? One group, yes, there will be one group who are alive to see Christ coming, and they are happy to see him coming, amen. But the Bible says here that the other group, another group, will not be all that excited. Look at what the Bible says here in 2 Thessalonians. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his what? That's the second coming. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his what? Power. You see, the reality is that when Christ comes unveiled with all his glory and power, and guess what? Sinners there without the grace and coverings of God cannot stand to be in the presence of a holy God. And God's glory takes them and they say, rocks, fall on us. We can't stand his glory. You see here, friends, when Christ returns, the question is, who is able to stand? Well, guess where the answer is found? Revelation 7, go there. So the question is wrought when Christ returns who was able to stand that great event? Here's the answer to that question. Beginning in chapter 7, after these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding the four winds that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice for the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their what? Foreheads. And then he gives us the name of those who are sealed in a number. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 were sealed. And then he begins to list the tribe, the tribe of Judah, 12,000. And he lists 12 tribes, and every tribe has the number 12,000, not a number less and not a number more. And you see, we get the number 144,000 when you add all the 12,000s next to each tribe. Amen. Right? He doesn't just like, here's the number. Well, how did you get that number, John? 
I, he added all the, the, the 12,000 of each tribe, and it comes out to 144. And next week, we'll dig deeper into that number. Are you with me? But our question is, what time in earth's history is this group living? And what we're seeing here is that this group is alive when Christ returns. The 144,000. Again, we'll get to the number next week. I'll get into if it's literal or whatever. That's not our mindset. Our question right is, what time in earth's history is this group living? This is a group that are alive to see Christ return, and they're sealed by his seal. And because they're sealed by his seal, they are able to, we can only stand through Christ. because all have sinned, yes or no? But because I've confessed and repented of my sins and the blood of Jesus has cleansed me and therefore he seals me as I give my life to him and obey him and follow him, a group who are alive when he comes will be able to stand and they are glorious and excited to see their savior coming in the clouds, that's the group. They are alive to see Christ coming, amen. Now look at this. In Christian experience and teachings, page 59, the spirit of prophecy confirms what the Bible teaches always. She says, then Jesus' a silver trumpet sounded as he descended on the cloud wrapped in flames of fire. He gazed on the graves of the sleeping saints, then raised his eyes and hands to heaven and said, awake, 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 and, that, and ye that sleep in the dust of the, and arise, is that not the second coming, yes or no? Yeah, that's the resurrection, amen? That's the first resurrection when those who are asleep in Jesus will rise to eternity, amen? Context is the second coming. Then there was a mighty earthquake. Look at this. And what happened? The graves were... And the dead came up clothed with immortality. Look at this. The 144,000 shouted alleluia as they recognized their friends who had been torn from them by death. Amen. They are the ones who are alive to see Christ coming. And not only are they so excited, my Savior has returned. Not only that, great reunions will happen as the dead in Christ rise. Are you with me? from the dead, and then in the same moment caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. This group, what, 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 what time in earth's history is this group living? They are the group who are alive to see Christ coming, and they're not asking the rocks to fall on them. They are happy and glorious to see Christ return. They are sealed by God because they've given their lives to Jesus, and they see their friends rising from the grave. Hallelujah. Is this making sense so far? Are you guys with me? Now, it gets deeper. We will now see, listen, that they are the ones also that passed through the great time of trouble in the last days. Such was never before the world began. Let's take a look. Go to Matthew 13. This group also passes through what the Bible calls the great tribulation period, the time of trouble such as never was. 
Now, if you go to Matthew, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 13, this is dealing with the very heart of earth's final history and the great battle. Okay? The mark of the beast comes into play. We know that when the mark of the beast comes into play, I have no time to unpack what that is, but when the mark of the beast comes to play, that is the final test of earth's history. This, this happens at the very end of time, and then the Bible teaches us there that those who stand for God and his word will begin to be um, looked upon, and tribulation will come, and they can't buy or sell, and eventually the death decree will happen on them. Are you with me? This is end time scenario. This is what the Bible teaches, okay? So before Christ comes in the clouds, there will be a group, listen, who will go through this great time of trouble as the world never seen, but here's the thing, they can't go through the trouble if they're not clinging to Jesus, can you say amen? Who do you think this group will be that will go through this period in earth's history that no one else has ever experienced? Chapter 14 has the answer. You see, these chapters do not really flow in order. You have to put the pieces. Look at chapter 14. So again, in verses 11 through 18, it's talking about the earth's final crisis. Look at verse 15, look at verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast shall both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's the death decree. Because, and verse 16, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. That's last day, end time scenario. And, they, and that no one may buy or sell except those who have the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Again, end time scenario, mark of the beast, can't buy and sell, death decree. Lord, who are those who have clung to Jesus and go through this time like never before? Look at chapter 14. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him, guess who's there? The 144,000 having his father's names written on their foreheads. Verse two, and I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder and I heard the sound of the harpist playing their harps and they, the 144,000, sang as it was a new song before the throne. We'll look at that in part three, but you're gonna say, well pastor, but they're already in heaven. Listen again, it does not flow in, in, in order. It says here that they, we know that they are alive to see Christ coming. They go to the great time of trouble like never before. They're alive to see Christ coming and then John sees them in heaven but look at chapter 15 are you in chapter 15 look at verse 2 it says and I saw something like the sea of glass mingled with fire and those that's the 144 we just saw look at this who uh, those 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 where am I those who have the victory over the beast over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Here they are, look at it, here's my question. Look, 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 think. You can't, say, you can't find the victory over the beast and his image and his mark if you never went through that experience to find the victory over it. Does that make sense what I just said? I'm gonna say it again. For them to have the victory, listen, for them to have the victory over the beast, over his mark, last day scenarios, and over his name, you had to have gone through that experience to find the victory over that scenario. Can you say amen? I can't find the victory over addictions of, uh, let's just say, alcohol if I never was an alcoholic. Are you with me? So you can't find the victory over that scenario 
if you didn't live during that time of that scenario? Are you understanding what I'm saying? This group is a group who's alive to see Christ coming in the clouds. And they've clung to Jesus. They've, they go to the great time of trouble as there never was, clinging to Jesus, clinging to Jesus. This is the group. What, what time in earth's history are they living in? They're living in the very last time in earth's history. They go to the great time of trouble and they're alive to see Christ coming. Are you with me? We have seen very clearly that the group 144,000, again, we'll get to the number next week, are a group alive when Jesus, what? Returns. They go through the last day crisis of this world, the great time of trouble, the decree for a false day of worship, mark of the beast, eventually one who does not follow this decree and stays true to God, cannot buy or sell, and eventually it goes forth for them to be killed. They remain faithful to Jesus and his word, and he is with them and delivers them. When Christ returns, who was able to stand? The 144. Because they have been sealed by God. They are the ones that have gone through the great time of trouble in this very earth's history. They found the victory over the beast, his mark, and his image. Well, how can you find the victory? Because they clung to Jesus like never before. And Christ brought them from this, and he delivered them. Are you with me so far, friends? This is the 144. This is the time in earth's history. Second question that we have today. Are the 144,000 literal Jews... Or are, is that a symbolic? Let's go back to Revelation chapter 7. Let's take a look at this. Because many people today think that this is talking about literally the bloodline of Abraham. Let's take a look what the Bible says. Back in chapter 7, it says in verse 4, And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, of all the tribes of the children of Israel were what? Were sealed. And then again, he begins to look, list the tribes. The tribe of Judah, 12,000. Of Reuben, 12,000. Of Gad, 12,000. Asher, 12,000. Nephtali, 12,000. Manasseh, 12,000. Uh, Simeon, 12,000. Levi, 12,000. Issachar, 12,000. Verse 8, Zebulun, 12,000. Joseph, 12,000. And the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. All number is the same. Now, I'm about to reveal to you that this is not talking about literal Israel, but symbolic Israel or believers in Jesus. Now I'm going to show you that from the Bible. This is not talking about the literal tribes of Abraham's bloodline, it's going to be impossible for him to say that, to, to mean this. He's talking about here symbolic or spiritual Israel. Here we go. Take a listen. Number one. You listening? You listening? The literal 12 tribes of Israel no longer exist. 
northern Israel, which was made up of ten tribes, okay, when, when after Solomon died, the, the, the tribes split, okay? Ten went to the north, and then the two in the south. Israel split. Are you understanding, okay? Now, keep listening. So, the, the, northern Israel, which was made up of ten tribes, disappeared from history with the Assyrian conquest in the 8th century B.C. You can find that in 2 Kings 17. Most of those people scattered among the nations. Now, listen. History. What's the word? History records that long before the time of Jesus, some of the ten tribes returned to Samaria after intermarrying with the Assyrians. Their descendants, known as the Samaritans, that's why the Jews hated the Samaritans, because they were intermingled, their bloodline with the Assyrians. They were were no longer pure Jews, as they say, so the Jewish nations hated them. But here's the thing. The ten tribes, after they were taken captive by the Assyrians, After years, they all began to intermingle with each other, and the purity of the bloodline was lost. You with me so far? Now keep listening. In fact, because the ten tribes have been so thoroughly scattered around the world and absorbed by their host nations, today a person would be hard-pressed to find even one pure, quote-unquote, descendant from the tribe of Gad or Asher or any of the other tribes much less 12,000. Now listen, by the time Jesus came on the scene, the 12 tribes were largely amalgamated already. Number one, right? One reason that there's no way that he can be talking about literal Israel or the tribes literal, it has to be mean symbolic here, is because by the time even Jesus came on the scene, all the tribes had already intermingled and there was no quote-unquote pure bloodline. Are you with me? Number two gets even more compelling. Well, number three will, but listen to number two. Another strong clue that Revelation is not speaking of the literal Israelite tribes is that in the Old Testament, the 12 tribes were very unequal in population numbers. Judah was very large, while Benjamin was very small. God divided the promised land in proportion to each tribe's needs, but the 144 is composed of 12,000 across the board. So every tribe was either different in number, Reuben was large, Benjamin was a small tribe, but in Revelation, he puts every number the same, 12,000, 12,000, 12,000. Are you with me? Now number three is incredible. Take a look at this. The list of the 12 tribes in Revelation 7, are you listening, differs from any list in the Old Testament, and there are two tribes missing in Revelation 7. Go to Numbers chapter 1. Take a look. There are two tribes missing in Revelation's list that were part of the original. John leaves out two of the original tribes and substitutes others in its place. Therefore, there is no way he could be thinking about literal Israel when he leaves out two of them. We're in Numbers chapter 1. Say amen when you get there. We're going to study today, okay? What are we going to do? We're going to study. So, Number one, by the time of Jesus, all the tribes were already largely amalgamated. Number two, each tribe had different numbers in regards to how many they had, but John places them all with equal number. And then number three, John leaves out two of the original tribes. 
We're in Numbers chapter 1. Are we there? So stay with me here. I'll put them on the screen in a minute, but I'm going to show you that John in Revelation leaves out two of the original tribes. Are we in Numbers chapter 1? Okay, you guys awake? Here we go. Bidding in verse 4. And with you there shall be a man from, what's the word? Every tribe, each one the head of his father's house. And he begins to list the tribes. Here we go. Verse 5, there, these are the names of the men who shall stand by you. From Reuben, that's the tribe, Reuben, Eliezer, the son of Shadur. Verse 6, from which tribe? Simeon, he names in the names. From Judah, he lists the names. Verse 8, from Issachar, he names the names. Verse 9, from Zebulun, he names the names. Verse 10 is key, look at this. And from the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim, that's another tribe, and from Manasseh, that's another tribe, verse 11. From Benjamin, that's, he lists the names. From Dan, he lists the names. From Asher, he lists the names. From Gad, he lists the names. From Nephtali, he lists the names. Now, look at the screen, and you can double-check that in your Bible. In Numbers chapter 1, these are all the names of the tribes that he listed. Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Nephtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Ephraim, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, and Benjamin. You can double check that. Those are all the original tribes of Israel. Are you with me? But when you come to Revelation chapter 7, are you ready? Go to Revelation 7 you're going to see that John does not or leaves out two of them, telling us then that he did not have the original tribes in his mind, or he wouldn't leave out two of them. Go to Revelation chapter 7, say amen if you're there. And I have them here listed on the screen. So, we have Judah, we have Reuben, I mean, Revelation chapter 7, verse 5, Judah, Reuben, Gad, verse 6, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, verse 7, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, uh, verse 8, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now, you look up on the screen or at your Bible, same thing here, and you're going to see, if you're a, a very um, uh, detailed person, that in Revelation's uh, list does not match this list. Can anybody tell me which two tribes are missing from the original list in Revelation? Do you get it? Ephraim, that's right. Look at it. In Revelation, in Revelation, he leaves out Ephraim, and he leaves out Dan, and he replaces it with Levi and Joseph. What does he do? He takes out Ephraim and Dan, and he replaces it with Levi and Joseph. Well, here's the thing. Levi never became an official tribe because they were known as the priests. Are you with me? They, were, they did not get any inheritance from the land, and Joseph was never a tribe. His two sons were Manasseh and Ephraim. So look what he does. He takes these two out, and he puts this one in. If John had literal Israel in mind, he wouldn't leave out two of the tribes. Are you, are you thinking? Are you understanding what's happening here? Telling us that this is not talking about literal Israel. He's talking about spiritual Israel, 
believers in Jesus, this group here. Listen. Levi and Joseph were added in the place of those two in Revelation 7. Now listen, please. The 12 tribes came from the 12 sons of Jacob, who the Lord renamed Israel. But because Joseph was sold into slavery by his older brothers, he was separated from his family for many years. After Joseph finally reunited with his father, Jacob promised to compensate by adopting Joseph's two sons as his own to be numbered with his sons in place of Joseph. Take a look at the screen here, Genesis 48.5. And now you're what? Yeah, your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. So Joseph, there was never a tribe of Joseph. Joseph was never a tribe. Manasseh and Ephraim, his two sons, were. Now look at this. Joshua 14.4, For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And now this gets to our next point. And they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property. You see, and the Levites never got property. They never became an official tribe. They were to be the priests of the nation and they were never included in Ezekiel and in Numbers list. Are you with me? Is this making sense? There is no way that John the Revelator had that in mind. No way. Almost done here, number four. Point number one is this, that this cannot be literal Israel. Number one is, today, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone of that lineage today. Are you with me? Let alone 12,000 of each tribe. Number two, they had different portions of land depending on how big the size of the tribe is, but John lists 12,000 next to each one. Are you with me? He's not, he doesn't have literal Israel in mind, not at all. Number three, number what? John leaves out two of the original tribes in Revelation's number, and he replaces it with Joseph and Levi, who were never tribes. Are you understanding? Again, showing us that John never had literal Israel in mind. This cannot be literal Israel. That should make you happy. <laughs> but could it be that he's talking about spiritual Israel? Point number four or five, and we're going to be done. If you understand the 70-week prophecy found in Daniel 9, the Bible said that God had given the Jewish nation and leaders 490 years to get their acts straight. Are you understanding? And when Jesus came on the scene as the Messiah, did they accept him or reject him? So the, the, the leaders, the people, failed on what God had them to do. Are you with me? To be a light to the Gentile world. Are you with me? To share with them the Messiah, the Savior, and for them to come into the fold. They rejected and fell on this. Are you with me? And that's why when we come to the book of Matthew, look what Jesus says. Stay with me. Go to the book of Matthew quickly. You see, what happens is, is that as literal Israel rejected Jesus the Messiah... 
He's going to give the baton to another. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Look at the picture here. That literal Israel rejected, or at least the leaders most of all, rejected Jesus as the Messiah, and Christ would give the baton to another. Go ahead, say amen when you get to Matthew chapter 21. I have some great news for you today, friends. John does not have literal Israel in mind. In other words, if your bloodline does not come from Abraham, no worries. By God's grace, you can still stand when he returns. He's talking about spiritual, symbolic Israel here, believers in Jesus. We're in Matthew 21. Say amen if you're there. So in chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, you're going to see that Christ comes in, what they call the triumphal entry. He comes riding on a donkey, and that was the signal that the king had entered, right? He was showing himself to be the Messiah here. Prophecy had foretold this. And the children were laying things on the floor, and they were saying, oh, Hosanna, King of David. And the leaders were upset. They say, hush those children down. They can't say this. You guys know the story? We'll read it later if you don't. And now, after the triumphal entry, go to verse 12. Look at this. Showing you again that literal Israel became insignificant after they crucified Jesus. We're in verse 12. Are you there? And then Jesus went out into the temple of God and drove out all who brought and sold the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house. What kind of house? My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. You see, they were keeping people from coming to worship God. The money changers, if you were poor and you wanted to buy an animal to sacrifice and you had no money, you're in trouble. They were keeping people from worshiping God. They were keeping people from coming close to Jesus. And Christ sees us and he's not happy. And here he says, my house should be called a house of prayer for everybody. Amen. He continues. Verse now. Uh, 14 in the blind, verse 15, but when the chief priest scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children of children crying out in the temple and saying, oh, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these, they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfect praise. And then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Verse 18, now in the morning he returned to the city. He was hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing in it but leaves. And he, and he said, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. This fig tree was a symbol of the Jewish nation and the leaders. They were bearing no fruit. They had done nothing. And Christ sees it, and he says, oh, you know, this is a symbol here of the nation. Of the nation here, the leaders, they have done nothing and they will never bear fruit according. Now, same chapter, stay with me and go to verse 33. Look at this. Matthew 21, he gives us a parable in verse 33 showing you again that literal Israel became insignificant. In other words, he did not, God began, they, they dropped the baton on what they were supposed to do and God would give it to another. We'll look at that here in a minute. Verse 33, here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it. 
dug a winepress in it and built a tower, and he leased it to the vine dressers and went it into a far country. Now when the vintage time drew near, sent his servants to the vine dressers, they did, might receive its fruit. Ah, verse 35. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. These vine dressers did not want to listen to what they had to say. Are you with me? That was the history of Israel. God would send prophet after prophet after prophet, and they did not want to listen. Verse what? 36. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did not likewise to them. Verse 37. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. Verse 38. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, oh, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Verse 40, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Verse 41, and they said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Are you getting this parable? That when the man comes, he says, okay, show me the fruit. Uh, well, you killed my prophets, and then you killed my son. He says, I'm going to take it from you, and I'm going to give it to another. Keep reading. Verse 42. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord doing, and it is marvelous in your eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God, look at this, will be taken from you. Who's you? He's talking to the leaders of literal Israel. And given to a nation bearing fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but in whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Verse 45. Now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking of them. Yes, he was. <laughs> I think he's talking about us. What do you think? Yes. Verse 46, but when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a what? That's right. Quickly now go to the book of, uh, go to, uh, chapter 23 of, the, of Matthew, quickly, Matthew 23, and look at verse 37 to 39. I'm showing you that when Christ came and they rejected Jesus, Christ told them clearly, you've dropped the ball, you're no longer going to be my special people, I'm going to give the baton to another nation who will now become spiritual Israel and lead them to me. Chapter 23, verse 37, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks into her wings, but you were not willing. You see, your house, no longer my house anymore. It's no longer my house. It's now your house. Are you, do you see that, yes or no? You have rejected me. It's your house now. What is it? It's your house. And look what happens on the screen, Acts. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that, we w that the word of God should be speak spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. And what Paul now says, and we're at the close here, stay with me, is now believers in Jesus become new Israel. And if you're grafted in, if you believe in Jesus, you now become part of Israel. Hallelujah. As we close, go to Romans quickly. Let's take a look at that. 
Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Paul says that the new Israel, the real Israel now, are believers in Jesus. Amen. You can be a Jew or you can be a Gentile. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're now part of Israel. Are we in Romans chapter 2? Chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Romans chapter 2, 28 and 29. Paul says this. For he is not a Jew who was one what? Outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from who? That's right. Paul says, hey, you know what? You're not a Jew if you want outwardly. It's the heart now. Go to chapter 9. Chapter 9. He expounds on this. Chapter 9 of Romans. Chapter 9. I have good news for you. What John is seeing in Revelation is not literal Israel and looking there. No, these are believers in Jesus. All can be part of this group. All can be part of it if you've given your life to Jesus. We're in Romans 9. Are you there? Romans 9, verses 6 and 8 through 8. The Bible says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the what? Seed. Paul says clearly here that they are not all children of Israel just because they are of the lineage of Abraham. No, no, no. What happens is again is that now if you've given your life to Jesus, you now are a Jew inwardly. You are now part of the stock. You are now a spiritual Jew. Amen. Look at this on the screen here. Galatians, therefore know that only those who are at faith are only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. He continues. Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There it is. Who here has given your life to Jesus? You're Israel. You are now part of Israel. And the promise made is to you as well. I don't think John was thinking about literal Israel in Revelation. You see, here's my question. Who was John writing to in the book of Revelation? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, I'm sorry, this is Galatians, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but new creation, and as many as walk according to the rule, peace and mercy upon them, upon the Israel of God. John is calling the church in Galatia Israel of God, the Christians. So here it is. 
Who was John writing to in Revelation? I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, that's the Sabbath, and he heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. John had the churches in mind. He had the Christian churches in mind in Revelation, in Philadelphia, in Pergamon, Smyrna. He wasn't writing this book only to literal Jews. He was writing it to the Christian church. Nowhere in the Bible do you see that John is referring here to literal Israel. Not at all. No way. There's too much stacked against it. The 144,000, when it says, of all the tribes of the children of Israel, is not talking about literal, but symbolic. Those who are in Christ are now the children of Israel. Israel. Seed of Abraham, are you with me? Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news? As the Christian world today, many think that he's talking about literal Israel here and they're trying to figure out all they can about the literal, 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 literal when the reality is John is saying, I don't know what you're doing. I'm talking about the Christian world here. All are welcome. All can stand when Christ returns. All can be part of Israel. Can you say amen? All can be sealed through Christ. Jew or Gentile. As we get to part two and three, it's going to get even more incredible. It seems clear that John had Christian, the Christian church, new or spiritual Israel in view and not literal Israel. The 144,000 are not literal Jews, but spiritual Jews, believers in Jesus. The Bible is crystal clear. You can't get around it if you want to be honest with what the Bible teaches. Can you say Amen. All are welcome. All right, so next week, I'm going to give my appeal here in a minute, but next week, we will look at, is this symbolic or literal? Well, let me just let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Let me, if, if it's not, if it's a spiritual Israel, and it's, not, and it's a spiritual seal, and he, he, he's not talking really literally here, do you think that the number might also be symbolic? Woo! Might want to come back next week. <laughs> But why would John use this number? What I'm going to show you next week of why John put 12,000 next to each tribe will blow your socks off if you have them. It's incredible. You don't want to miss next week. Are you with me? So what time in earth's history is this group living? They are those who go through the great time of trouble in this earth's and the very last great time of trouble in the earth's history like no one has ever gone through before, clinging to Jesus for him to help them find the victory. Can you say amen? And they are those who are alive to see Christ coming in the clouds. And they're happy to see him. That's the group. And is John talking about literal Israel here, that we have to try to find literal Jews from these tribes? No, 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 no. The evidence is against it. What he's saying is the children of Israel here are symbolic. They're the new Israel, those in Jesus.
Therefore, if you're a literal Jew or if you're a Gentile, if you accept Christ, you're part of Israel. Hallelujah. Therefore, all can stand when Christ returns if they're in Jesus. Can you say amen? What great news. All can stand. How many? All can stand. So, do you want to be part of those who are fully devoted to Jesus? This group here is fully devoted to Jesus. Because if they weren't, they couldn't get to the time of trouble and be able to stand when Christ returns. They're fully devoted to Jesus. Do you want to be one of those? All are welcome into this group. There are people who teach today that it's only for a selected few. John is telling us, all are welcome. That's the God we serve. All are welcome. All are welcome. What great news. All are welcome. How many are welcome? In who? In Jesus. No matter who you are, what race, color, nationality, or what you've done, all are welcome to be part of new Israel and part of this group. I told you there was good news in this. Did this make sense today? Amen. So I'm going to ask that if you want to say, Lord, I want to be one of those who not only are fully devoted to Jesus, but I want to be able to stand when Christ returns. I want to be part, fully part of Israel. Anybody here today? Anybody here today? Amen. Amen. This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.